Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is episode 13. And our very special guest is Anu Vital. Hello, Anu. Hello. How are you? I'm good, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to participate. So, Anu, where are you based? In Canada, I know, but exactly where in Canada are you? I'm in Toronto. It's a beautiful city which has lots of life and people from every part of the world. I know. I love Toronto. It's gorgeous. And it's very global, just like our London. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, Anu, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, your journey. Uh, just share your, your story with, with us as much or as little as you like and how you arrived at the point where you are now. So, I was born in India in a city um, south, in, in the southern part of India called Bangalore. Okay. And um, I have to say I'm very grateful to have parents who encouraged me very greatly to pursue not just education, which is, I think, important for everyone, but also being a woman and being independent to be able to seek things from the world. So I think really that's where my journey started, to have an extremely supportive family to take me forward. Okay. And as I went in, uh, out to do different things, one of the things I realized very early on, uh, probably because I was an adventurer and a bit of a rebel. Child, <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like rebels. <laughs> yeah, was that I needed money to be successful. So at the age of 16, um, I started a small business, which was really more for, I guess, fun, but also extra pocket money to be able to do the things I needed to do. Sure. Um, and though my dad was a doctor, I didn't really want to rely on him for anything. Okay. So that business was really successful. It was like a fashion line that I created and I used to sell the clothes to my friends and I would model it myself. Mm. And then from there, my journey started to go on forward as I got into the business world um, because I got into sales in the beginning because I felt that was something that would really help me to get out of my introverted, shy self. Nobody believes it anymore anyways, because nobody could ever say that I'm shy now. Right, right. You heard me speak at the conference. So yes, I did. Anyways, I would walk with my head down. I would be the super shy girl. And so it was interesting how sales really converts that personality. You have no choice, actually, because if you have to sell something, you really have to be bold and open and showcase the product and service that you're providing to the client. So I think really that's one of the things that also helped me to move forward. And I've done sales and marketing as a business and a profession, but also um, it's also part of my education, really. That was my last final uh, master's that I did. And then I figured that if this is the way, we, you know, if, if, if people like you and they, then they like your product, and this is what I should be doing for the rest of my life. So along my corporate career, I learned a lot of different things, including logistics. I did a Six Sigma project for one of the companies that I worked for, which was 3M. I'm an internal auditor. But all along, I kept feeling that I was missing something, my passion. And it's funny enough how it came about because... Uh, I had to get hit by a truck, it seems, for the, for the okay. reality of this magic to come together. Right. So, um, you know, about 17, 18 years ago, I was crossing a street 
and I had actually gone out for a run, mm -hmm. and I actually got, I, I got hit by a truck while crossing the street. So, oh goodness, yeah, I, yeah, I uh, broke my hip and I broke many many bones in my body. But you know what? As I lay in that hospital bed for more than six weeks, because mm -hmm. with a hip fracture you really cannot get out of bed. You have to lay for a long long time. Right to um, heal. Mm -hmm. To heal. It's the only way. So. I thought, why did God do this to me? And there must be a reason. Of course. And there's always a reason, isn't there? There's always a reason. And one thing that came out to me at that time is every pearl has a grain of sand that comes its way. And it has a choice at that time. Every oyster, sorry, did I say that? Every, every oyster. oyster has yes. a grain of sand that comes its way. Right. And it has a choice at that time to convert that into the most beautiful pearl or to shut down. Yeah. And that's when I kind of decided that I would make pearls with everything that came my way. Everything is a gift for me to be able to behold and to convert into something amazing. And, Absolutely. Uh, so as I healed and I kind of got out of the hospital, I couldn't find a chair or a seat that gave me comfort. So it's funny, this is how my entrepreneurial journey started. I actually mm. created a beanbag chair that was three feet by four feet. And there's this funny looking rectangle, you know, bag that I would carry around. But it was it was nice because I could throw it into the back seat of a car and, you know, go out with friends and just sit. And then more and more that people saw me sitting in this chair and was like, what is that chair? And why is, do you like it so much? I said, because it really shapes to my body. And it gives me comfort exactly where I need it. And it's healing. Yeah. Believe me, I didn't know until I started the business about 10 years later that children with hip dysplasia, which is a operation that the children are born with this uh, condition and they have to go into surgery and the operation takes about eight hours. They heal in beanbag chairs. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. So anyway, so that's how the journey for the beanbag factory started. And I, when I first came to Canada, I looked around, there weren't good quality beanbag chairs because in reality, no chair has been created for a specific person. Every chair is being created because it's something to sit on. But if you look at a beanbag chair that's designed ergonomically, like the way we did, it is used, it, it's using materials that are, um, you know, not just floppy, but you know, sturdy, strong, fire retardant. And right. what we do is we design the chairs by the height of the person so that they would get complete neck, back, and arm support. So that is what we call an ergonomically designed chair. And every person, when they settle into a chair, are going to try and sit in the most comfortable position. The way we designed our chairs, people loved it. You know, even older people could sit inside a beanbag chair and actually get out of it quite easily because it was sturdy and soft. So right. that was the beginning of my journey for the beanbag factory. And that was the beginning of my journey for being an entrepreneur at a time when recession had hit North America, everything was so hard to come was that by. Back in, was that back in 2008? Uh, well, I, yeah, exactly. I, well, I started in 2005, I opened the company, but when I really, really got to the point where it took off was uh, 2008, yeah. Okay, so backtrack a little. You were in, you grew up in Bangalore. You talked about India, and then you moved to Canada. So you moved to Canada as a student, and you worked in the corporate environment. Is that correct? Or 
Uh, actually, I moved to Dubai because my okay. dad was a doctor and he worked in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, I lived there for a period of time and that's where I actually started to work. Okay. Um, and then I came to Canada. Okay. And in your corporate career, you, it sounds like you worked in marketing. I did. I also worked in supply chain. Uh, so six years in marketing and then the rest in supply chain, which was actually very, very useful because when you start a business, as much as I know it sounds kind of um, very interesting to have a beanbag business, but it is one of the most difficult things logistically to move these beanbag chairs across a country as large as Canada because these chairs are bulky and so everyone knows in freight or cargo business that it's always weight over volume and these are light but they are so complicated to move. It really helped me. Okay, fantastic. So today the topic we're going to be discussing specifically is called applying creative thinking in your business or journey as an entrepreneur. So now we know a little bit about the business that you are running. And is it your only business or do you have another one? Well, I've sold this business very successfully. And, okay. Uh, I have another business now. Okay. I've always been someone who uh, builds a business and then seeks to make a change in the world, uh, make the world a better place. So, so you built up your beanbag business. And what was it called? The Beanbag Factory. The bean, okay. And then you, you sold that off. So, yes. and then I guess you got the itch again and you said, okay, time to do something next. Yes. So now you're on your next venture. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. So what I'm working on right now is, um, it, and it actually came about very, um, I guess, serendipitously because I was in India after I sold the beanbag factory. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really looking to eat, pray, love. So when I got there, I was at the ashram in Pondicherry and I get a call from a friend who says there's someone looking to start a uh, business in Canada and they want to be able to speak with someone who has the experience. And so they reached out to me mm -hmm. and I guess we had this, conversation that lasted about eight hours. I've never had an interview, a business interview that lasted eight hours. Wow. I met the father and the son of the business and they said, oh, we want to be able to bring tourism um, for India out of North America. So how can you help us? And I, I guess it's a combination of being tenacious as an entrepreneur. These are the things you have to do because you really have to be out thinking outside the box when you want to be able to convert an idea into an actual business transaction. Right. So, um, so when they asked me to do that, I had no idea. I never ever worked in travel or tourism, but this is you know what I like India. That 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 I do. So the most important thing is you have to have passion for what you want to do and the product you're selling. And I said, okay, I'll give it a chance. And I, <laughs> I actually took on the contract, came back. And I took on the representation for this travel business that was to be sold to wholesalers, which are tour operators in uh, North America. Mm -hmm. I was promoting India as a destination. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've done because it's showcasing every creative aspect of a journey. It's actually having to design the product, which means you have to go into uh, looking how the hotels are going to be, 
what are the experiences because today as you know it's not just about going into uh, a hotel it's really about the experience that the hotel can give you right and so yeah. the whole 10 days or 12 days of your journey should be something that you remember so it has to be enriching it has to be about the beauty of the moment it also has to help you to seek out the spiritual aspect the historical uh, part of the city and so on and so forth so i've absolutely enjoyed that experience and selling india has been one of the most delightful things i've done in the last five years of this business and this is what you okay i was just going to ask uh you said it's been about five years since you've been mm -hmm. working on this business so where would you like it to go do you have i'm assuming you have a vision or or something that you're 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 working towards with the business where would you like to see it well the funny thing is that we've expanded and we are now able to provide the same service to so many different people because when people have an idea and they're afraid to I'm not going to say afraid, maybe not afraid, but really not un unsure how to put it across to people. They come to us and it's now expanded not just to travel, but to other things. And it's easier for someone uh, like me or my team to be able to take that forward because it's, it's something we do. We've done it and we've done it a few different ways. So we find that the opportunity uh, reveals itself as we go forward in the journey. So. It's just about following certain parameters, like in every system, you have certain things you want to be able to do. We have a great client base, we have good connections, a great network on social media as well. And that makes a huge difference. So really, we, we can provide services now, not just for travel and tourism, which is one of our core businesses, but also to any business that's looking to expand and typically looking to expand in North America. Okay, excellent. And now going on to your topic on creativity. So how have you personally used creative thinking uh, as an entrepreneur, both for your current business and the beanbag business? I mean, we know how the beanbag business came about. It was through a tragedy. But like you said, uh, it, that was sort of the impetus for it. Because if you didn't, if you didn't get into the accident, you wouldn't have started the beanbag business, would you? But, right. um, but how have you used creativity in both of your businesses? Well, I think that's the most critical thing because uh, if you look at whether it's Elon Musk or uh, uh, Steve Jobs, it's always about thinking outside of the box, but also thinking about what you can do for humanity. What can you do that makes a difference in people's lives? It's not about the money at that point. It's really about making people happy. And you cannot imagine, but the, when, when we started marketing the beanbags here, in Canada, it was such a unique twist. I call it off the tangent marketing. It's really not about marketing to the people you think need it. Because if people think of beanbags right off the top of the head, it's about, you know, uh, relaxing, leisure, furniture for kids to play video games. But we actually sold the beanbags to children with autism. Children oh, wow. with hip, children with hip and autism because it's uh, it works on a sensory pressure principles so the beanbag hugs the child and helps them to calm down so that is why it works so well with children so we sold to a lot of schools lots of uh, uh, child care places uh, children uh, children with hip dysplasia which i mentioned before uh, patients in body cast we had a beanbag chair we had 26 different beanbag chairs 
and this one was six feet by four feet. It actually helped a patient who had a full body cast, which he had a skiing accident. He lay in the beanbag chair and healed because as the beanbag chair, as he turned and twisted, the beanbag chair would mold his body. So it wasn't really affecting his cast, but it was helping him to find comfort. Work with patients after brain surgery because we cannot recline beyond a 45 degree angle. Right. And the last thing that we were doing before we closed off uh, was uh, a, a bed that would rotate on a uh, rotating motor that helped patients with bed sores because uh, we do have free healthcare in Canada. We're very lucky, but of we also course. have lots of patients who have uh, muscle atrophy or who are unable to get out of bed and they lay on their back and they have sores and these can be very traumatic and painful. Right. So then we were working on a prototype that actually helped the, it's easy to move the mattress, but it's difficult to help them the, the shift the, the inside of the mattress. So the beanbag, the, the mattress was going to be designed with beads inside of it, like a beanbag mattress. Right. So this is the kind of stuff that people don't think about. These are the outside the box things that make a difference. And coming back to my current business, the way I look at it is I take people on a journey. I take travel agents, which is the people I sell to, the tour operators, on a journey of 11,300 kilometers. They don't have to go to India to experience it. I make a creative approach whereby they all sit in a limousine, which is almost like sitting around a conference table. I make a small presentation as we take off on our journey. I take right. them to a beautiful temple where they have a, a ceremony, a religious ceremony. Okay. And this temple is called the Swaminarayan Temple. Right. Okay. And then I take them to a very exotic uh, meal where they eat uh, on, a, on a stainless steel plate with their hands. Because in India, traditionally, we eat with our hands. It's reasonable. Yes. Either yeah. because it's too hot to touch. If the food is too hot to touch, you won't eat it. But it's also first you... Smell the food, you see the food, you touch the food, you taste the food, and then you feel it, right? Yes. So we want to be able you to ignite all the senses. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the big things for me is to be able to ignite all the senses. And I have another business which is also related to the arts, uh, where we design and sell artistic products, also original paintings and prints. And I have a business that we do global events all across the world. Okay, so you have about three businesses you're running simultaneously. Yes. How okay. do you manage all of that? And how do you, um, I mean, obviously you're a multi-potentialite. You have a lot of interests and you're channeling all your creative energy and everything into all of these different uh, businesses. But how do you manage it all? And how do you, because you are so creative, how, how do you sort of harness that to ensure that every one of your businesses is, is being given enough attention? You know, we're all multidimensional beings, and most of us are, I'm sorry and sad to say this, but we are existing. We're just oh. going to work nine to five, we come back home. Absolutely. You know, watch TV, play with our kids. Machines, right? and, machines. Yes. Yeah. And that is not the way the world was meant to be. The world was meant to be something so beautiful for each one of us, so that we could really not just change the world, but first change ourselves. And if we were to take an hour a day, 30 minutes to do that, you know, you will find how, how beautiful life can be. So um, how I work my time is 
I really multitask a lot, which is uh, not difficult to do. If you are, if you start practicing, you can be really good at it. For example, if I have something going on the stove, I cook every day. For example, I mm-hmm. like to have a fresh meal. So at the same time, I have say those 30 minutes while this food is getting cooked. I will do something important that is related to my business or I could have a phone call at the same time I could be uh, exercising or walking which is also important because the more you do for yourself as a human being and for your body and mind the more you can do for others so I really work on that principle where you can actually expand your time and use every minute to make it important for your business so Usually my mornings are my most effective. I like to wake up and use that first, typically 30 minutes to quickly look at what's important, prioritize it, and then spend, if important and necessary, the next three hours working on those things. If not, I can go to the gym, come back, and then I can figure out the rest of the day. But also meeting people. I think more and more we're forgetting the real world, the virtual world is necessary because of technology and for promotional purposes, but it's also important to really, really talk to people, meet people. Every experience, every interaction you have with another human being is going to change you in a way that you don't believe. It doesn't matter if it's a a wedding party, it doesn't matter if it's a networking session, it doesn't even matter if you're in a grocery store, but every interaction with a human being is going to change you. And we must use those opportunities um, to have those conversations and to to tell people how beautiful they are. Like yesterday, I was walking and this girl with this beautiful red hair, and she was trying to fix it into a ponytail because I guess she was going to the gym. I'm not sure, but and I said to her, "You have the most beautiful hair." And you know what she did? She just let go of her hairband and she let the hair flow because she felt good. So we're yes. all multi-dimensional beings with so much beauty to give to this world. But what are we doing? We're not expanding. We're not really connecting. We're not really touching each other and saying, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, you can do this. The more we do that, the more creative we can be with our thinking and our time, um, the more successful we will be. And I really, really, really appreciated what you just said about meeting people. I think that's so important. And it's such a good segue to the next question I had for you, which is um, how important is it for creatives to be out there interacting with people and meeting people um, as a means to to help them develop their business? Because I think um, if you're an introvert, you, you get energy sort of from inwards, right? So you like being by yes. yourself. You like, you like reasoning through things and thinking about things. And, and that produces whatever it is that you create. And they say extroverts get their energy from being out there and being around people. But what you said is so important, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. You said that all the people we interact with will change our lives in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I think if you're an entrepreneur and our community uh, serves women who are aspiring or recently started entrepreneurs, and what would you say to them, whether they're introverts or extroverts or not, what advice would you have for them in in terms of meeting people, stressing how important it is to get out there and not just network, quote unquote, for your business, so to speak, but just constantly putting yourself in places where you meet lots of different kinds of people and you can get exposed to lots of different kinds of ideas and so on. Well, um, 
you know, I think one of the good ways to practice is to really start having conversations where you're comfortable is, you know, in the grocery line, in your hairdresser, because what that does is it helps you to open up and it helps you to make those connections and realize how it benefits you, right? And then you really want to look at those um, events or opportunities where uh, you have these kind of networking opportunities. And if, I think one of the most important things actually is to get a mentor. Especially if you're an introvert, you want to get a mentor who is already out there doing different things. What the mentor will do is a little bit guide you and invite you to those kind of events where you may or may not have known about or thought about going to. And when once you get there, because you have the support of a mentor, though he or she will be already networking, you will learn, you will have a chance to observe, and you will have no choice because that's the one thing that people do when they're outside at a convention or a conference, like we met, like how we met. Yes. And then one of the best things I would say to people is look at all the good around. Just say something nice, genuinely, about the person or the people you meet. It is the fastest way to make a connection. And Yes. Remember their name. That is yes. the other thing. Remember their name. Remember something that is unique about them and, and give them a compliment. If you don't know their yeah. name, just say, hey, I love your red hair. I love the shoes you're wearing. Yeah. And everyone likes everyone likes to be complimented and it's a good icebreaker. And sometimes the people you think you would have absolutely nothing in common with, when you start talking to them, you realize, oh my goodness, it's it's like I met my my soul sister or my soul brother or something, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the only way. I mean, that's the fastest way to make a connection because everyone likes that. And if you're genuine, it'll connect with them right away. And we are all energy beings, mm. all conducting energy as we live in this world today so mm. the faster you send a vibration that's positive then the faster they will be able to seek you as a person that they want to make connection with and before you know it you'll be talking about a business idea and then one thing leads to another absolutely and you you get to um you get to hear people's thoughts about your business idea as well and maybe they tell you something that you hadn't thought of before or something Correct. you hadn't even and all of those things help you and help your creative juices and get and get everything flowing so yeah. it's really important to get out there and just just talk to people. And like you said, in the grocery store or at the salon, it doesn't necessarily have to be at some lavish event. Not that those things aren't good as well, but yes. it, it can be just in the park. You see someone walking their dog and they, yes. they look interesting and you say, oh, that's a cute puppy. And there starts the conversation, right? Exactly. And you know, for the longest time, I was known as the beanbag lady and I know it doesn't sound very glamorous, <laughs> but people didn't know my name. They just said, hey, she's the beanbag lady. <laughs> I was, I'm glad I wasn't the bag lady. It's just like the beanbag lady. You know what? As you mentioned the beanbag, did you sell the company because you, you felt like you had reached the, the highest point of success within that? Or were you just ready to move on to something else? Just out, out of curiosity, I want you know, to know. I love what you just said. And mm. it is the first. So it is what happened was it reached a point where it was very, very successful. Mm. And I had to either get partners on board or sell because um, it had expanded so significantly we had a retail uh, chain but also I think it's it's how life gives you opportunities and God gives you these chances where 
there was a company looking to buy the business, but it didn't happen the way we planned. It actually happened that we sold the company in three different parts. We sold the online store first, the online retail store. We sold the right. retail store, and then we actually sold the manufacturing separately. And the manufacturing, the person about the manufacturing business was the guy who was actually interested in the entire business. But now I look back in retrospect, he couldn't have managed the entire business himself. So it's good that it got sold like that. And it's the best way to sell the business in a, in a way because you're giving value to the people who are buying. You're giving them exactly what they're looking for and what they can manage. And they loved it because the guy who was looking to buy just the online store got what he wanted. Right. The guy who wanted the retail just got the retail because that's the specialization. And then the guy who bought the manufacturing just got the manufacturing, which is, again, perfect. Wow. Amazing. So now I want to find out about something, uh, something putting along aside for a second, the creativity discussion. You were awarded the top 25 Canadian immigrant award. So tell us about that, because that is, well, firstly, congratulations. That is quite an honor. That's an accolade. That's quite an accolade. So um, how did that come about? Were you nominated? Did they find you? Uh, obviously, it was about your, I guess, your work, all the work you do in Canada. So how did that happen? Um, so I, I did have to be nominated. And I'm very yeah. thankful and grateful for the people who nominated me. Uh, and it was a vote. Uh, that had to come from the people. And it's it's something I'm really humbled by because I, I won this award in 2009 along with Adrian Clarkson mm -hmm. and uh, Michel Jean. And these are very significant people in Canadian uh, history and government. Um, because I think in the end, people recognize that when you give something of yourself, to the world and, and to, to the Canadian people. You are really doing service from a pure heart. And as much as my business provided for great opportunities, I also did a lot of social work, sometimes up to 20 hours a week in making people's lives special and be able to share my culture because every single one of us, especially when we've moved away from our birth country or home country, or we've come from a unique heritage. Um, we need to find that it is our duty. We need to find those opportunities where we can showcase that, make that which makes us unique, whether it's our food or our music or dance or our style of dressing. Every single thing makes a difference because people like to know, people like to learn, and people like to share. Yes. So that's what I did. And I guess, uh, you know, they found me worthy for the award. I'm very mm -hmm. grateful to uh, everyone who's involved and everyone who supported me in winning the top 25 Canadian uh, immigrant award here in Canada. Wow. So uh, much of that was based, so the people had to vote, but you were nominated, obviously, was it because of your entrepreneurial work? Because I know you do other things. You're an author, you're a speaker, or was it just a combination of everything? It was a combination of everything because in the end, I think what people really uh, connect with is what you can do for them. And so I guess that made an impact. 
Wow. And how has that changed your, your life as an entrepreneur? I imagine it's opened more opportunities, more doors for you. Yeah, well, it's given me more work, actually, but <laughs> I, I like it. You know, in the end, when people see you out there doing different things, they say, oh, you know what? If you want something, go to her. Or if you need help with volunteering for something, you need go to her. But that's okay. You know what? Uh, we should keep striving forward. We should use these awards not just as uh, um, markers for success, but also opportunities to... I guess, inspire more people, but, you know, do more work that's good for society, good for people around us. Because we live in this world because we need to do more good for people. It's not just about ourselves. Of course. It means that we're all connected. We're all connected. And the more that people realize it, the more we will see the importance of doing good for each other. Definitely. And I think as entrepreneurs, uh, we should be creating things that are going to make people's lives better absolutely and solving problems and so on you know what i wanted to get your opinion on something uh, we hear a lot about passion the entrepreneur must be passionate and the entrepreneur must be a leader and and all of these things but do you think um things like passion and leadership are just as or or more than or maybe less important than than being creative because i i personally think that you need a lot of creativity you need to be constantly innovating and and sort of seeing the world through a different period of lens in order to um, be successful in business. So I would say creativity is probably a bit more important than, than passion and leadership. But what do you think? Because we hear so much about passion, 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 and being able to lead in business and all that kind of stuff. No, it's critical actually, because the thing is that many, many people will say no, or it's not gonna happen, it's impossible. Like people used to laugh at me when they thought that I had a beanbag business, they couldn't even believe like, oh, you're actually making money out of making beanbags? Oh, I, I have outdoor beanbags, indoor beanbags. And when they found out that I used to sell to corporates like PricewaterhouseCoopers, Lloyd's, TSB, because they would use these beanbag chairs in their corporate boardrooms, uh, besides the regular furniture, they wanted beanbag chairs because they wanted places where executives could think creatively. And you can only think creatively when you can become a child. And what they wanted to do was create that kind of an environment. Again, sitting on a uh, boardroom table, vis-a-vis -vis sitting on a beanbag chair, you're actually more comfortable because you want to be trying to sit in your beanbag chair in the way that's most comfortable for you, right? Exactly, and if you yes. And you spend eight hours, would you rather spend it on a beanbag chair or on a boardroom chair? So yeah. anyway, so I think passion is critical. So as much as many people say that it's not possible, it's not going to happen, what are you doing? It's, uh, I, I, I'm sure people told Elon Musk when he invented Tesla that, what are you talking about? Like, will this, that is the most, the world's most sold out, pre-sold out item right now, the Tesla car. Right? Yep. I mean, yeah. what about Ford and Honda and all of these other guys who are making these regular cars? They couldn't imagine. So you have to be completely focused on that. Do not let people tell you otherwise. Because if you believe in something and you know the value is going to come out of it for humanity, just go ahead and do it. And yeah. as much as it's difficult, you know, you want to share it with just few people who can give you that vision and that uh, guidance because the more you find the naysayers it is hard it definitely is hard look at uh, thomas edison who invented the light bulb he had to try over a hundred times and every single time he failed 
you know, there was a, a reporter who actually showed up, I think, at some point and said, you keep failing at it. Why are you going on and on looking for this light bulb? And he said, every single time I fail, I know of another way to do it right. Which means that he had, if he failed a hundred times, he probably had a thousand ways to do this. So every single time he fails, he says, oh, that's okay. That's a gift too that I failed. It's good I failed because now I know a better way to do it. Another way to do it. Another way to try it. So right. that's the passion, that's the tenacious quality of an entrepreneur that is so necessary along with creativity that mm-hmm. just because it fails uh, one way doesn't mean it's not. Look at Steve Jobs. Uh, just because, you know how many times he failed? <laughs> because it failed. Yes. Or Sylvester Stallone, he failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. Till when he had to make the Rocky movie, the first one, he yeah. finally said, you know, I'm going to make this movie with me in the movie. And then he turned down $350 million for a script for $30,000 of a movie because he said, if you're going to be in the movie, we're not sure it's going to work. Right. So he, he turned down $350 million for the script. And eventually he got to do the role for 30000 But look at him now. He's super successful. Definitely. And Anna, do you ever think that sometimes people don't value creativity, uh, especially like in certain cultures? Like if you come from a quite a traditional culture or traditional background where um, sometimes everything is focused on logic, so math and science and engineering and those types of, um, of roles or, or jobs where intelligence can be almost quantified, um, you find that maybe creativity is not taken so seriously. Um, or, do, or do you think creativity is taken seriously? Because I know from my own experience, if you say to someone, I'm a creative, or I like being creative, or I'm an artist, or I'm a writer, or whatever, whatever creative thing that you do, people kind of go, oh, okay. <laughs> like they don't really take it seriously, or they don't value it that much. Do you ever find that? Yeah, it's true. Uh, I come from that kind of a culture. I come from a culture where, you know, um, my dad was a doctor, and, mm. you know, I was starting to be a doctor and it just there was no other way yeah and i think the doctor engineer was or dentist yeah um, and then i finally figured that business would be something i like to do because i really like um, meeting different kinds of people and it's also creative business is actually very very creative oh absolutely yes yes um so yeah i i do agree with it but i think some amount of uh, i guess what we call a traditional education is necessary because it doesn't matter which country you come from math along with math and science art is something that's taught to everyone we all sing in school we all paint in school whether it's china korea india or south africa every single part of that so to me i feel like it's a fundamental core of a human being mm-hmm. which is why the educational system teaches you that right so there is definitely an important aspect to it, but sometimes it's hard for people to see how art and culture and can convert into uh, revenue. But, it, but if you look very, very closely, it's touching every single part of your life from the music that you listen to in your radio, in the car, yeah. to the TV uh, programs that you see every single day. What people don't realize is uh, to, to, to the exotically designed muffin that you eat when you pick yeah. it up for breakfast in the morning or the co- ca- coffee, you know, the cafe lattes and all of these are designed by an artist, uh, are creative things or creative inventions by chefs. 
Yeah. So what people don't realize is the creative industries contribute very, very significantly to every economy. For example, in Canada, it contributes to about $60 billion, all of the creative industries, including the screen, the film, and everything. In India, just the art and craft, just art and craft is the second largest contributor after agriculture, the GDP. Yeah, because, and India is, so, is a country filled with heritage and tradition and culture and history. I mean, that's so long. So, I mean, can you imagine? There's so much creativity in India. So Absolutely. much. And that's the purest way to connect human beings is to art and culture. One song, for example, We Are the World, it connects yeah. so many people. So many people. You don't need a language. You just need mm. this. You need music. You need dance. You need food. You know, a samosa, for example. Can yeah, definitely. Everybody loves a samosa. A few hundred countries, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, also, I think, irrespective of what profession you're in, you're going to have to come up with solutions, right? Whether you're a doctor, you know, your patient presents with something that's an anomaly, right? Okay, yeah. as a doctor, you're going to do your research and you're going to speak to your colleagues and all this other stuff to find out, well, what, is, what, is, what exactly is this that my patient is suffering from? But at some point, you're going to have to come up with a solution. And I think by applying creativity, you can come up with an unorthodox solution. So I think whatever profession you're in, you can use creativity to come up with unorthodox solutions to problems. And, yes. um, and I think that's a good way of looking at creativity and trying to explain creativity to people because I really think because you can't quantify creativity, that's why people have a very hard time sort of grasping the concept of, oh, when you say I am a creative, it's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, but um, I really believe um, finding solutions to problems, as long as you use your, your creative sort of uh, news, you will definitely be able to to solve problems or do things differently. And that's really, really important when you're building a business. That's so true. That's so true. And yeah. I think it's also about being really uh, keen on that goal that you want to achieve from what you're creating. Fame and money is always going to be a byproduct of success. So yeah. you should never do something for that. You should always do it because you so believe in it. And right. again, I'll go back to Sylvester Salon because he's really, really... He, he went and saw uh, a match, a boxing match, that so inspired him to write the script. He wrote the script 20 hours straight. And wow. then he sold the script. And, you know, I made a mistake when I previously quoted. It was not $350 million, it was actually 350000 that he was given for the mm. script alone. Yeah. He so believed that he would be the one to deliver the story that he turned it down. Finally, when he accepted, he accepted that he would be in the movie for 30 seconds. But now today, his net worth is about $400 million. Yeah. Wow. Just from that. So you have to believe. And in that moment, it wasn't about money for him. In that moment, it was about giving to the people what he really believed was something that would change people's lives. And that movie changed a lot of people's lives. It did. It did. Around the world. Around the world. Exactly. That's what I was saying about art and culture. One movie, one song, one painting. And you know, there is no limit to where a piece of painting or a song can reach. There yeah. is no limit because it is all about what's in people's hearts. They, people yeah, they, they, um, they say music, 
art and sports are the universal languages so that the United Nations, for example, whenever they want to have a global event, they always they use music or art to connect people because they know it people in in any part of the world they may not know how to speak english but they'll know this very popular song that was written in english <laughs> so they'll bring it it has a way of um bringing people together and that's so powerful absolutely look at the story of the korean uh gangnam style gangnam style mm, yeah yes that song, that oh song. <laughs> that was crazy like everyone was dancing to it that was a big phenomenon and that was a, a global hit it was a global hit yeah it was a one hit wonder but everybody loved it and everybody it was just, it. and it was just kind of like where is this guy from korea oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> of all places but yeah that's a really good example so what do you do when you have a, a creative dearth when you're sort of um okay things aren't flowing or or juices the creative juices aren't coming together do you ever experience that and if so what do you do when oh, you yeah. do I, i absolutely experience it you know and especially when you're failing or things are not going the way they should and it happens a lot of times in the life of an entrepreneur yeah uh, and so it's not always about rosy things and uh, you know being successful actually a life of an entrepreneur a lot of times is about failing constantly about questioning yourself and wondering am i doing the right thing where am i going i have no money in the bank oh my gosh i have to pay the rent i have to pay the staff oh my god how am i going to do it so there are times like that and so One of the things you can do is if you have a mentor you can seek uh, some support and advice. Um and funny enough the other thing which I really really believe in and I think it works every single time is to because the business is really who you, is you. You are the business, right? Yeah. Without you there is no business. What you're doing is you're creating the business and you're transferring it to your staff, to your uh, to the people in your community and the people around you. So One of the things you have to do is constantly invest in yourself. Yes. And the best way to invest in yourself is to really spend that time with with yourself whether it's meditation, going to going for a walk in the park, going to do something that is um you know making you feel more like you because everything that's coming out of your mind is what's creating this business. Mm. Everything and if it's not positive, if it's not which which will happen and that's okay then if it's not positive then you are able to really get to the next level so a lot of times i will you know do something completely different maybe that's one of the reasons why i do a lot of social work because i feel like it's an opportunity to give back and somewhere somehow you know karma serves you yes you know it's good 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 things uh, so meditation volunteering talking to my mentors yeah um, and just prayer you know just pray just whatever your prayer is you know yeah. if, if you don't pray then just go for a walk just yeah. be with nature be with the universe and things will come back to you and things will flow and it'll happen and sometimes i find just stepping away from your business for a few days can be helpful sometimes you have to detach to clear your space clear your mind and then you come back energized and you've got all these ideas and you're ready to go again absolutely yeah, yeah. That's I mean I know I, I know it's hard for some people they they can't even fathom leaving for 5 days like not being involved in their business for 5 days but I mean it could just be 24 hour a 24 hour fast <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and you it makes a huge difference it changes yeah. the perspective 
Absolutely. And you just need to get away and, and clear your mind. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. So now, what parting words or advice do you have for the women who are just starting out, who have just started, and they want to apply or use their creativity or they, whatever it is around creativity, if they're creative entrepreneurs, or maybe they're not even, they may not even see themselves as creative persons. Um, what, what, what tips do you have for them? What parting words would you like to leave with them? Well, I would like to say the first is take the road less traveled. It's mm. necessary. It's important because you're unique. You're different. You have a unique vision and a perspective. So take the road less traveled. Make the jump. Because if you don't make the jump, yes, you might fall. Yes, you might hurt something. But, you know, if, if you don't make the jump, which means you never, ever try. So you have to take the jump. And you can make it a more calculated jump so it's not, you know, risky or it's less risky, but take that jump. Make it, make it happen. Try it. Give it a shot. Um, the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, every day when we wake up in the morning and we do something, there are times when, you know, things are not going so good. It might feel like you're not getting anywhere, but every single day that you show up and you do something, you send those five emails that you may not get a response the next day, but you will get something a week later. So every single day, show up, do your best, do what you believe in, and all of those marginal gains will show up at a later time. So take those calculator risks, show up every day, do what you have to do, and just multitask and you know, show your awesomeness. You're, you're a divine gift to this universe. And your job is to be able to be able to share that gift with the universe. So make it happen. Like, you know, don't don't die with that gift with you. Just give it to the world and uh, just be creative. Be happy while doing it. And if you ever feel sad or you feel like, you know, you're not getting anywhere, it doesn't matter. Just shake that feeling off. Go for a walk. Do what you have to do. But go back to doing that, that which you believe because there's a reason that thought came to you. There's a reason that it was given to you that ability to uh, provide something unique and different. And you know, you could be the next Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone or Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. I mean, look at Mark Zuckerberg. Look at this. I mean, Facebook. Look at that. That is so cool. Yeah. And we started a community that connected people. Or they could be the next Anu and create multiple businesses and win amazing awards. And, and inspire lots of people. <laughs> merci, merci beaucoup. Ah, yes. Well, thank you so much for that. Those were very nurturing words, very inspiring, very comforting. And I'm certain there's someone out there uh, listening to this that needed to hear that. So thank you so much for that. So that is it, lovely birds. And um, our podcast aims to empower, encourage, and inspire you. And I do hope that there is something that Anu said today or something that she shared from her personal story that will help you to get out there and, and keep things going. So thank you again, Anu. It was an absolute honor to have you. And I do appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Joanne. Pleasure.